listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Ingenious Rx is a boutique business-to-business consulting firm leveraging deep pharmacogenomic science and clinical implementation knowledge to help pharmacogenomics stakeholders reduce and remove barriers to pharmacogenomics becoming a clinical standard of care in medication therapy management. To learn how your company can partner with Ingenious Rx, email Dr. Becky Winslow at beckywinslow711 at gmail.com. This is the PGX for Pharmacists podcast. We believe pharmacists are the best positioned providers to lead in PGX. Pharmacogenomics is the study of how genes affect a person's response to drugs. This relatively new field combines pharmacology and genomics to develop effective, safe medications and doses that will be tailored to a person's genetic makeup. This podcast is dedicated to pharmacists with an interest in learning more about the data analytics, industry trends, and evidence-based usage of pharmacogenomics. Welcome to PGX for Pharmacists, part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Hi, everyone. My name is Benasarami, your host of the PGX for Pharmacists podcast on the largest pharmacy podcast network in the nation and one of the top 20 podcasts in genomics globally. If you're new to the podcast, hopefully you're not, I'm a pharmacogenomics medical science liaison and a mentor to pharmacists. Connect with us on LinkedIn so, and we can get the conversation going. And I am Becky Winslow, your co-host for the PGX for Pharmacists podcast. I am a PharmD with, gosh, almost 25 years of experience now. Almost 10 years of that experience has been in medical and clinical affairs for pharmacogenomics companies. If you've been listening to Benaz and I, you know my pharmacogenomics knowledge and experiences complement Benaz's, and that's how we are able to bring our listeners such a comprehensive view of pharmacogenomics. A great way to describe the content Benaz and I bring you is that we educate our listeners beyond the PGX certificate program. Mm -hmm. We were once just like you at the end of a pharmacogenomic certificate program and unsure where to go from there. And really, that is what we wanted to focus on today about how to get started and the realistic road to what it looks like before you take on this amazing adventure. It is amazing, but, you, you know, we wanted to kind of be realistic. So we have a lot of pharmacists reaching out to us, asking all types of questions. And we want to kind of put together the most common questions that we see, such as how do we start our consulting business? How much money can I make? Which CE can I take? Because there's a lot of them out there. So I can learn more. Which lab to partner with? How do I pick a lab? How much can I charge for my service? So those are most common questions. And I'm assuming, Becky, same with you that we're getting. Absolutely. And we want to kind of address <laughs> them today so we can reach more people, more, more of our peers versus the one-to-one -one conversation that we have. So why are we doing this, Becky? Um, what is our goal? So, um, you know, today's goal is really, again, to educate our listeners and what, what to look for when they're starting their consulting business, right? Great idea. Um, there's so many out there that are seeking out our help. So let's jump right into the nitty gritty and get these guys some help. 
and mm-hmm. gals. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So I wanted to kind of start off Becky and you let me know if you don't like this, but with the CE, right? So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of C's out there, right? You can Google pharmacogenomic CE or PGX certificate program. There's a lot of them out there and they're all great. They all have their, you know, you know, good and bad or, you know, pros and cons, right? They range from $300 up to thousands of dollars. So here's how I kind of really talk to patients and tell them to pick from. So looking at the objectives of each of ones, the ones that are you're looking at and what you want to learn more. Some of them, you can see they're focused on mental health. Some are focused on oncology, depending on which realm you want to take it. That will be one of the things you need to look at. And then the cost of the C, I, I said it ranges from $300 to over thousands, but you know, they have the live version, you got video you can watch, you got the written format that you can read, so many different styles. So how I like to kind of say what, you know, cost-wise or objective-wise to look about it is, you know, compared to pharmacy school. So we, you know, I don't know if Harvard has a pharmacy school, but (laughs) say you're going to Harvard Pharmacy School or Yale Pharmacy School, if they exist, versus University of Maryland Pharmacy School, for these are just examples. So all those are really great schools, but obviously the cost is where they vary, right? The cost of, for example, Yale and Harvard will be a lot more, but hopefully Hopefully they give you the same kind of information and you learn the same things through through the program, right? But then when you um, come out of that program, just like, again, the pharmacy school, after you get that exposure and experience is where your learning comes from. So, Becky, here's a great example. Uh, when I first got, I think it was my first or first day or my first script, I don't remember, at a retail store, mm-hmm. I had a proton pump inhibitor. And I don't remember whether it was omeprazole, pentoprazole, <laughs> but I remember in school, we studied once a day dosing, right? So yes. I get this script and it says twice a day. I'm like, oh my God, the clinician is so wrong. It cannot be. I studied it once a day, but I realized in the real world, you know, it you can do twice a day and there's a whole bunch of reason. So those are what I'm talking about. So you really learn at the experience of it and what to do as you're coming out, speaking with clinicians, mm-hmm. uh, looking at scripts. And so that experience is learned after you attain that C. So I wouldn't bog yeah. down on uh, you know, oh my gosh, which one I'm going to pick. The, look at the objectives. They all should teach the same. Look at how much money you got in your pocket and kind of go from go from there. But realizing that you learn on the job. And, yes. um, you know, that is kind of what I would say. And, you know, I've done retail. I've um, talked a little bit, little bit about retail because everyone wants to get out of retail, which is great. I probably would never <laughs> go back. Right. But I wouldn't, I don't really, Becky, and I don't know if you have this experience or not. I don't know if I would ever go, I don't have a regret of not working in that setting because mm-hmm. it taught me so much, right? Mm-hmm. The patient interaction, again, the scripts you get, the clinician interaction I had to have, the prescribing habits, learning the dosing indication, troubleshooting. And then once you're a pharmacist at a store, you're managing people, managing the staff. There's so many things that you learn. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade that experience at all with anything. I probably wouldn't go back but again. But <laughs> um, I don't think I would have been successful and as well-rounded if I hadn't those, had those experiences. So what are your thoughts there? Absolutely. I mean, I couldn't agree with you more, Banaz. 
the PGX certificate programs that are available, you know, they're intended to teach the learner the basics. Um, just like you said, pharmacy school teaches you the basics, but real world experience is what's going to make you successful in pharmacogenomics, just as being a pharmacist. So the real world experience is really critical to your success. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like you said, you wouldn't go back to retail. I worked in retail. I was a hospital pharmacy director. I worked as a long-term care consultant. And no, I won't go back to those jobs again <laughs> because I've transitioned into other um, positions that I absolutely adore. Mm -hmm. But the clinical and business acumen that I developed in those roles has been priceless to my success yeah, as a pharmacogenomics consultant. Um, so for anyone who's considering uh, pharmacogenomics consulting, don't quit your day job. <laughs> don't quit your day job. Uh, hang in there. Learn everything you can learn um, because it's going to be invaluable to you yeah. when you are applying what you've learned in that certificate program to the real world. All righty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, to kind of follow up on that, you know, I say this to a lot of pharmacists I speak with the, the you learn a lot of exactly those acumen, the skill sets through wherever you are right now. It could be retail, it could be hospital, mm -hmm. wherever you are. And then this could be a side uh, hustle, quote unquote. Yeah. But, you know, understanding when you sit with the patient, um, you know, you obviously we're experts in doing an MTM, you know, taking health history, doing the MTM, you know, understanding, explaining the needs for potentially selecting the individuals that may need a, a genetic testing. What does that look like and how you determine that? And then you do the testing, right? And mm -hmm. you get the results back. Can you sit down? Can we sit down with a patient and explain that in the eighth grade level or fifth grade? I don't know which, which one yes. we call it now, eighth grade, fifth grade. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Something eighth grade like level. Yeah. If, can we, beyond the piece of paper, I call it beyond the genetic report or piece of paper, can we explain that in a very, um, you know, basic format to the patient that they can understand? Can we mm -hmm. explain that to a clinician that they may be new to the genetic vocabulary in terms beyond what RD report says and mm -hmm. make those recommendations based on our knowledge? Can we do that? So that's part of also having if you want to do a consulting business in the pgx that's part of it so understanding Absolutely. those are also skill sets those are experiences those are the clinical knowledge can you mm -hmm. do all those things right becky absolutely absolutely um you know like i said the certificate programs are meant to be the basics yeah. um what you need to do to be successful um as a consultant is you need to be able to confidently express how to use those test results, how to make them actionable. Otherwise, it's just, yeah, it's kind of entertainment. Um, so those skills that you have developed outside of the certificate program, um, those real world experiences are priceless when it comes down to being a consultant. And not just on the medication therapy management part, but let's just say that you have been tasked with 
starting a pharmacogenomics program. So maybe um, your employer, maybe you're not just looking to be a consultant, but maybe your employer has tasked you with being um, or starting a pharmacogenomics program. Mm -hmm. Any real world experience that you've had, such as um, when I was a hospital pharmacy director, I started over 25 different clinical pharmacy programs. Um, And that experience made it so much simpler for me to know how to design a pharmacogenomics program from scratch. (laughs) So, you know, just, just to add on to that, that even if, even if you're not looking to be a consultant, but maybe you're employed and they, and your employer wants you to start a program, um, those real world experiences are priceless. So get as many real world experiences that you can, um, before you just jump and decide you're going to be a pharmacogenomics program builder. <laughs> yeah, really. And the number one thing to do is understand, uh, you know, you always, I always say this to people I speak with, put yourself in the place of either the patient or the clinician, since you're talking about Becky, a clinician or a hospital setting, you're trying to implement mm-hmm. the uh, genetics program. Let's, let's keep it there. So if, if I'm a clinician, knowing you're an expert in the field, let's say by now and want to hire you, why mm-hmm. should I hire you when I can mm-hmm. hire the next person next door or another pharmacist that might be another expert or you know, mm-hmm. uh, you're a liability to my practice, my setting and my patient. So how do I trust what you're saying is correct? So there's a lot of uh, things we miss, I think, when we're our own uh, business person, that it's not just what we want to sell and what we want to produce. What about the other person that has to accept what mm-hmm. we're giving them? Mm-hmm. May, we have to see if there's value. And I know you talked about this great with the when it comes to the business model and marketing research. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, Absolutely. Talk, talk to us about that. I know I always have. Yeah. I always give the coffee shop example, but uh, <laughs> I want the listeners to uh, listen what you have to say on that, because th- these are all yeah. these are one of the million things we need to think about, mm-hmm. uh, you know, overnight starting in a let's say because I've done this before, you know, starting an LLC, putting up your name and website is very easy. You can do this that's easy. The, that's the harder right. part is the other things we're talking mm-hmm. about. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. You're welcome to use my coffee shop. Perfect example, but you like, but you know, I'm just saying it's mine. I'm just kidding. And, you know, I'll preface my discussion of business models in which pharmacogenomics can be integrated by saying, you know, I would be dishonest with our entire audience if I said my very first business model that incorporated pharmacogenomics testing was the same business model I have today. And the reason so you failed is what you're saying. Becky. Oh, heck yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Because let's talk about your, our failures for a little bit too. So, right. I, De- I, yeah. <laughs> Go for it. Despite, despite my years of uh, pharmacy management, clinical pharmacy program design and implementation, pharmacogenomics is a different uh, creature in that uh, it has many barriers that other clinical pharmacy programs may not have. Um, So I have had to tweak my business model over the years. Um, Honestly, I started out thinking, oh, I bet doctors are going to love this. Let me go to them. 
um, and surely they will pay me to do this. And I was um, very wrong at that time. <laughs> you know, that was, uh, well, 10 years ago or so. Um, and I'm not going to get into the, to oh, the I'm not going to get into all the details. I want to see what exactly happened. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, all so, the juices of the conversation. That's right. Um, you know, without me getting into full details of every transition I made, the basic um, idea is that you have to do market research. Yeah. You have to look to see, has any other entity set the precedent for the type of business model that you are anticipating will work? Um, what have you imagined that this pharmacogenomics consulting is going to look like for you? In your area, in that area. In your area, yeah. in your area. You know, who is your target client? Who is going to pay you? Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's not just, I think this feels warm and fuzzy and it feels really great for me to offer this. You really have to think hard about who's going to value what you have and whether they're going to pay you to provide this service or not. So, yeah, and, and we're saying it is valuable, but yes, other people have is. to see that, right? Exactly. To be able to pay the service that you're going to provide, or in addition to the tests they have to pay for, in addition That's to the right. potential clinicians' copay they have to pay for, right? So, yes. yeah, start. That's right. Um, you know, like I said, I was felt warm and fuzzy about this. And my first business model, I was uh, helping a laboratory help physicians. Um, you know, I thought physicians are going to greatly uptake the product. And I mean, they did. They believed in the product. I've talked about this with our audience before. We had a payer for the test. The uh, physicians believed in it. Um, mm -hmm. But when the lab stopped getting paid for the test, well, then they couldn't afford to pay me anymore. <laughs> right. um, so you always have to think about not only who values your services and who wants to pay you, but is that payment sustainable? Okay. okay. You know, what does that look like over the long term? Are they going to be able to sustain your reimbursements? Because that's very important. So I noticed that Becky, you did not mention your failure. So I'm going to mention <laughs> mine and be more vulnerable than you. So, <laughs> um, so I remember when I first started, this is many year, many moon years ago, uh, I went into a psychiatric um, practice and I was so excited, very overly confident, Becky, I knew my stuff, you know, uh, and I, I sold the psychiatrist on the value of the PGX, right? So I was yeah. doing great. And then he's like, great. And here's even a little mini office you can work off. I'm like, oh my God, I got, I got good. Uh, he, so he asked me, I got a couple questions for you. First, how are you getting paid? How am I, what's the value in it for me? And um, three questions, not two. <laughs> You're a liability to my practice because I have a lot of yes. MAs working under my license and you'll be another one. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit more about the other side of it, except the clinical. I'm like, uh, I really got stuck yep. and I had no answer for him. I was like, yeah, so those are great questions. How about I get back to you on that? And I never went back. <laughs> so 
Yeah, it, it was, but that's how I learned, okay, there's another side of it that I yes, didn't think about. Is. It was just all what Banaz wanted to do. What about on the other side of the receiving mm-hmm. people? What does that look like? And how do I even know how much to pay on, you know, put a price on it? In the coffee shop example, I say that Becky did not use, thank you, <laughs> was, you know, the market research is really great that that Becky was talking about. Um, it is like, if I want to open a coffee shop, and, but there's Starbucks around me. There's a uh, St. Louis, I mean, St. Louis, I live in St. Louis, a breath company or Panera Red around me, or there's Dunkin' Donut. Why would people come to my coffee shop yes. and pay where they can go to the three other ones that are well-known? So I got to be able to have a good answer for that. Is it because I'm providing something other people can't? What is, so to be able to open up a business, right? Your, your own business do you have a business plan? I think you talked about this, Becky. Mm-hmm. Do you have a business mm-hmm. plan? What does that look like? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of pharmacists out there. So what is so special about us that we're going to provide that service? So there's a lot yes. of things that goes into starting up um, uh, your own business. So mm-hmm. there's my failure in coffee shop example <laughs> on that. Yep. Yep. Well, you know, just to name off uh, my pathway. So, and the failures in between. Oh, now you so, want to share. I see. Yeah. I yeah. Okay. So I went from, <laughs> I went from the physicians um, to self-insured employers who were very vested in improving medication outcomes um, to working with uh, producers of pharmacogenomics, whether that be software tests, uh, et cetera. Um, and I think the important message to the to my audience here is that I always was willing to tweak my model. I wasn't a black and white thinker that, oh, no, this is how I absolutely have to do it because, well, you know, Jane Doe told me this was a great way for me to do consulting or et cetera. I always uh, kept my mind open and mm-hmm. I think what has allowed me to be successful in transitioning through business models and pharmacogenomics is uh, looking for problems that need to be solved. So if you can solve problems, yep. If you can solve problems, people are typically willing to pay you to solve their problems. (laughs) That's true. And and this comes back to what you were talking about earlier, very brilliantly there, there's a, who are your customers? So who are our customers? Let's say I started my LLC tomorrow and I'm took my C and I knew which one to pick and start my LLC and my company name. And I have a a cool website. So, you know, who are my target audiences, Becky? Absolutely. Who is your target audience? And I'll be honest with you, when I when I first started out, (laughs) if you had told me that, you know, one day I would be helping write tests or I'd be one day helping write clinical decision support, I would have laughed because I would have never thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. You really have to keep your mind open. And, you know, also getting advice from persons such as ourselves who have traveled this road, who have had to transition, um, you know, we we have a lot of insight on uh, how to avoid the roadblocks that you're inevitably going to encounter. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you know, reaching out to your customers being 
um, not other pharmacists, but patients, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So they they would want to want to do this test and talk to their clinicians. Your other customers not being pharmacists and being clinicians, because those are the ones who have to actually order the lab tests and be willing to potentially partner with you, right? Or your customers are not other pharmacists, but payers. So because those are the ones going to be actually yeah. covering the test for your patients um, to be able to afford to pay it. So there's you know, I think we have it a little bit backwards. Um, I feel like Becky. Yes, I mean, I like I said, I think just um, seeking mentoring from someone who has uh, lived these experiences has, uh, I would say, in-depth industry knowledge, um, and can help you navigate help you navigate around the hurdles. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what someone just asked us last week about, uh, you know, does a, do I have to have a doctor sign off on the, on the test requisition? Great question. Great you question. know, I mean, that's a big question and it comes up quite frequently because mm-hmm. sometimes physicians don't want to, um, be in collaborative practice agreements because they consider it to be a liability, yeah. Um, so, you know, those types of questions that can't or maybe they could be answered in a program and a certificate program, but it'd probably be a year long program. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they are those programs, <laughs> year long ones. Yes, yeah. I think they call those they masters. They can be great. Right. Yeah, like they have master's programs you can yeah. take where you where you might yeah. get all of these questions that come up answered and answered in an expert manner by someone who's already researched it because they've already come across it. Yeah. Um, Those are the type of questions that we're really great at helping with because um, like I said, we go beyond the certificate, right? (laughs) Yeah. And the other main uh, question I usually get and answer back is like, I want to start my own consulting um, PGX consulting business. Okay. So what does that mean? I yes. ask that question almost every, that's my second sentence to, to them is like, what does that mean? What, where do you mm-hmm. see yourself in a year, five years? What does that look like? Well, I want to do MTM and PGX. That's like 90% of the answer. Okay. But what does that look like? Is it with the patient? Is it in an office? Is it in a hospital? Is it just mm-hmm. at home? Is it like, how do you expect to get these people advertising? Okay. Right. What, how, like, I think the statement is really nice and pretty. And I think that's where we all had our failures, but the action part and the receiving is, is really difficult. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's not, again, the, the goal of this is to give you the realistic through true um, side yes. of it. It is very lucrative and it is a great a role. Uh, it is a side hustle. It, you cannot really produce a business to have a, to replace an income that potentially no. I, I myself or the average no. um, pharmacist gets at a retail. It is not that. No. It, and you really got to be clear on your goals, um, you know, figuring out the market research, who's your customers, who's going to pay you and why. There's a lot of little things that go into it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know, the again, this like uh, we were saying, the CE, the LLC is a really no brainer overnight. And there's a lot of little um, sites that you can learn from to get that information. But beyond that is what we're talking about. Beyond Absolutely. that, how do you how do you have it successful and to continue? Because we really want PGX to stay, right? We want the PGX sure. to stay. We want people to reach out to pharmacists who are drug experts who 
but how do we make that really happen? Um, so we try not to set up people for failure. And also the other important thing, Becky, I think we need to talk about is the outcomes, the goal of us. And I say this with such passion, if you can just see my face, but you can't, uh, <laughs> is, is outcomes. What have we done with the PGX space? Uh, we can even take you and I, that has moved the needle a little bit forward. Have Absolutely. I helped the patient in the last let's say five years that I've helped somebody, have I helped the clinician, you know, do more tests? Have I helped? Like that is the outcomes I'm talking about. We need more of that. Mm-hmm. So in you, you're an expert in the reimbursement side of that, that, mm-hmm. that includes insurances getting on board, seeing that there's 50, 100, 2000 patients that are seeing the benefit. And that's where adoption reimbursement comes from. Right. Absolutely. I can promise you that um, payers, if they don't see that evidence, there won't be reimbursement. So that's why I always encourage um, pharmacists who are starting their own consulting to please document your outcomes. And, you know, the great thing about this is that you don't have to do it on your own to make an impact. In fact, working together, we can all together probably make a bigger (laughs) impact. Um, You know, be that person that helps run the clinical trial for pharmacogenomics. Be that person that seeks out grant money to to study. You know, if you're looking for a payer grant money, um, you know, look at publishing, getting some outcomes published on the economic outcomes of pharmacogenomics Mm -hmm. Um, and you're still contributing, you're still being paid as a consultant and the patient wins in the end. So, yeah. Yeah. And you you don't have to write your own grant. That's a whole different full-time job there, but (laughs) I think working with the academia or your own pharmacy school Mm -hmm. or any school setting um, or university setting or hospital setting, I think it's easier to tag along with someone and bring them that, um, you know, hey, let's do this together and have them do the grant because I, I, there's a, so much more that goes into grant. That's a whole oh, different absolutely. podcast. I don't think we want to even touch, but it's not like, oh, let me write a grant tomorrow either. No, I'm not saying that, but you know, there's a places to go to collaborate with others who've done grant and know how to write it. It's not just what you want to write is what, what the receiver is trying to see on a grant before they pay you all this money. So yes. that's, that's another great route. Thanks for mentioning that. I think we mm-hmm. forgot about that. Um, yeah. So did we miss anything that's kind of beyond the certificate, but then not over, you know? Yeah. You know that we could talk for hours. We could talk for days and probably after the podcast, never run out of things to educate our audience about. So that's what we're trying to help you do. Um, you know, we had some discussions over the holiday and, you know, we were, thinking about how we could really impact. We see so many pharmacists who are expressing their interest. Yay, I got my certificate. I'm going to be a consultant. And then and that's great. It, seems, it seems that maybe that fizzles out for them. So we realize that uh, you guys need help beyond, beyond that certificate. And so I that's what we... I yeah. think that's what we should call it beyond beyond the certificate. Yeah, beyond the PGX. <laughs> I like it. 
I like it. I like yes. it. Yes. So we'll be bringing you more content um, beyond the certificate, yeah, um, the real certificate. world, real world experience. How about that? I like it. I think I like the, I don't know. I like both. I don't know, maybe, maybe we should, should let it. the audience vote. <laughs> yeah. Do you think how many students, how many, not students, my bad. How many pharmacists do you think, um, I know clinicians probably don't know, but how many pharmacists do you think they know about CPIC that are not, they're starting to learn about PGX? If you had to. Oh gosh. Well, they'll hear about it. They'll at least hear about it in their certificate program. I hope so. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, if you think there's not a lot, then we can kind of touch on maybe mm -hmm. what is CPIC and how it came about to be. Maybe not. That's right. How did it come about? Yeah. What's it's, you know, what is CPIC's relationship to the FDA and how does that relationship affect uh, reimbursement for testing? I mean, it's a, um, everything is intertwined together. It's a massive web <laughs> so, uh, yeah so we'll keep it brief i know i don't want to keep it too long but if you don't mind becky um i can just say very briefly cpic or cpic that's cpic uh stands for clinical pharmacogenomics implementation consortium i almost wish yes. they had come up with an easier acronym <laughs> i can always remember on top of my head but really the the, the i think they they started in 2009 do i does that sound right I'm not 2009, confident. yes. I think it was 2009. That's when they established this because they saw there was a lack of specific guidelines on how to adjust medication based on the generic report they were seeing. So a lot of labs were coming up with their own little, uh, based on a lot of research and papers they were reading, they were right. coming up with their own um uh, what do you call it? Annotations. Thank you. Annotations. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So there had to be, there had to be a uniform way and everybody was going to go to a guideline, right? We have blood pressure guidelines. We got a diabetes guideline. So that's yeah. where the rationale for forming the CPIC and, and realizing there was a need for it started back in 2009. So, a, so yeah, that's, that's all I can say about that. All right. We can make a whole episode out of that. <laughs> so, yeah, it's really important. I, I go there a lot daily look up things uh there is a really cool cpic dot i don't mm -hmm. uh, i have a so bookmark that i don't even know the um website but i think it's c cpic pgx.org is what it is I believe so. Um, yeah yes. so yeah so to uh wrap up i guess today's oh. wrap up today's topics um you know just coming to you to let you guys know that we realize that you need expert advice beyond the certificate program. We led you guys, told you a little bit about how you might pick your certificate program, mm -hmm. um, you know, to get your basics, uh, get, uh, get that certificate under your belt. We talked uh, high level about business models and what you need to think about when you're considering um, starting your own business versus working with another entity in the pharmacogenomics industry. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, New market research. Yeah, that's right. Market research. We talked about your, your understanding of pharmacogenomics and how you need to be able to master uh, pharmacogenomics before you're trying to sell it to someone else. Um, yeah. And, and the last thing would be your audience. Your audience are three people, clinicians, patients, payers. 
And so right. you, and like Becky was saying, document your outcomes. Outcomes is where it matters. If you're impacting patients and uh, helping clinicians producing outcome, that's where you really can say, you know, you've done a good job with, uh, you know, moving the PGX um, forward, right? That's where we're trying absolutely. to go, right? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So. Yeah. So thank you everyone for tuning in and make sure you don't miss any of our episodes. Don't forget to share this link so everyone um, can stay tuned and listen to PGX for Pharmacists podcast on Convey Med. There is no other place to go for all your PGX needs. Uh, we do a lot of PGXing on here. So the science, the business, the reimbursement. Um, so leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We love to hear from you. And you can also visit, uh, visit us on PGX4, the number four, rx.com to listen to all our episodes. Thank you, Becky. And um, we can call after the podcast so we can talk more. Absolutely. All right, you guys. Catch you next time. Thanks for your interest in PGX and for spending some time with us. Please share this podcast and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. For all of our episodes, please visit PGX4RX.com. That's PGX4RX.com.